another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Multisystem inflammatory syndrome is a rare but serious complication associated with COVID-19. First recognized in April of 2020, it's now been diagnosed in more than 1,200 children across the country as of December 2020, that's according to the CDC. The syndrome can affect multiple organs, including the heart. The clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital was established as a collaborative clinic between cardiology and rheumatology to specifically care for children experiencing this inflammatory syndrome and to monitor any heart-related issues as a result of the syndrome. You're listening to Radio Rounds, the podcast series from the Washington University Pediatric Specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. William Orr. He's a pediatric cardiologist at St. Louis Children's Hospital and an assistant professor of pediatrics at Washington University School of Medicine. He's joining us to talk more about the MISC clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Orr, I'm so glad to have you with us today. So tell us a little bit about what is multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children. Explain how this is a response to the body's infection. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and inviting me to talk about this very important topic. So multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, which sometimes will be referred to as MIS-C or MISC, is a condition where different parts of the body can become inflamed. And the different parts could be anything, including the heart, the lungs, kidneys, brain, skin, eyes, and even uh, different gastrointestinal organs. So are there some symptoms that are common with this? Tell us a little bit about how it progresses. So there are symptoms that are common with it. The other thing that's rather difficult about uh, MISC is that it's very heterogeneous, meaning one patient could present with a handful of symptoms and the next patient may actually present very differently. There are some common or more frequently seen symptoms. For example, one of the definitions that you have to have as far as the diagnosis is a persistent fever. So all the patients are going to have a persistent fever. And that's usually the first red flag and the first kind of trigger to make clinicians and people think about MISC as a diagnosis. Between 60 and 100% of patients, depending on which reports you look at, will also have gastrointestinal systems such as abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, and GI system symptoms by far are the most commonly reported symptoms. Other common symptoms include a rash, conjunctivitis, which is inflammation around the eyes. You can have mucous membrane involvement, respiratory symptoms. You always hear about the cough, the respiratory work of breathing or shortness of breath. And then they could even have symptoms such as neurocognitive symptoms like headache or lethargy and have achiness, sore throat. And so it is one of probably the most trickiest things about diagnosing MISC is that it can present differently in different patients. So Dr. Orr, can you test negative for COVID-19 and still get this inflammatory disease? And does antibody testing come into play here at all? Yeah. And this is where it probably gets kind of confusing to people not familiar with it. So MISC, by definition, the case definition, which you can look up on the CDC website, states that you need to have either a COVID-positive test or have a exposure to someone that was known to be COVID-19 positive. The patients that present with MISC usually develop symptoms roughly two to four, maybe even longer, weeks after their initial infection with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is the virus that gives you COVID-19. 
So the patients that are coming in with MISC to the hospital may actually no longer test positive on a PCR test for the virus itself, but will test positive for antibodies against the virus, meaning they've had the virus and they've been exposed to the virus at some point in the past. And usually at that point, patients have a recollection of somebody they were around, or maybe they even remember testing positive for it a few weeks ago. So it's kind of confusing in the fact that they may not test positive for SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 active acute infection, but will have antibodies during a presentation for MISC. How interesting this is. And what a mystery for you all. Is it connected to Kawasaki disease? And if so, how? So there are a lot of questions regarding that. And, and I think the reason that a lot of people are associating MISC with Kawasaki's disease is because there's a lot of clinical similarities between the two. Even the other immune responses like macrophage activation syndrome and cytokine release syndrome, they all kind of present very similarly. Because Kawasaki's disease presents with fever for multiple days, also conjunctivitis, mucous membrane involvement, rash, extremity changes, they tend to be compared to each other. In fact, even some of the laboratory derangements that can be tested in both the syndrome can look very similar. And it's not uncommon for us to diagnose somebody with MISC and say they also meet criteria for Kawasaki's disease or atypical Kawasaki's disease. And probably the main key difference is the patients with MISC either have those antibodies to the SARS-CoV-2 virus or have had a known COVID infection. There's a few other things that are a little bit different um, looking at the MISC population to the Kawasaki's disease. In general, the mean age of the patients that are developing MISC are older instead of the younger toddlers like in the Kawasaki's disease. But at the very core of why both of these happen, there's still a lot to be understood and there's still a lot of questions on why some patients will develop Kawasaki's disease and the same thing goes for MISC. We still have no idea why some patients that get COVID will develop this inflammatory process that gets them very sick. And so there are some groups and there's some studies out there. The International Kawasaki's Disease Registry is actually currently sponsoring a multi-institutional study comparing the two. This is one of the multi-institutional studies that we are a part of here. And so hopefully, as we get more data and can compare the two a little more, we can start to identify some of the key differences or maybe even some of the similarities. Is this directly impacting patients with congenital heart disease, or does it become a cardiology issue for potentially any pediatric patient? Unfortunately, probably the latter. So our patients with congenital heart disease, they don't appear to be a targeted population. Now, everyone is very worried with our congenital heart disease because they may have less of a reserve if they were to get sick with COVID-19 or MISC. But we're not seeing the vast majority of patients admitted with MISC having a previous history of congenital heart disease. So that means that the vast majority of patients that are getting this and are getting hospitalized are previously healthy kids that may not have any other comorbidities. And so for that reason, honestly, people should be extremely careful and should be very concerned and want to protect their kids and eliminate any unnecessary exposures to their kids. You're certainly right and pretty scary, I would think, for parents hearing this kind of thing. So first of all, does it affect adults? And if so, why or why not? And what pediatric population would be most at risk? You kind of just answered that. But I mean, is it mainly kids with pre-existing conditions or not so much? So I would say, the, again, the majority of the patients that are getting MISC are previously healthy. 
There are patients, obviously, that have some underlying comorbidities and that get admitted with it. The most common two are obesity and asthma, but there has not been any true link associated with a certain comorbidity and contracting MISC. However, any chronic or severe pre-existing condition can make the overall illness and hospitalization more severe, just like any disease. Now, as far as can this affect adults, so MISC by definition, the C is you know for children and it's specific to the pediatric population, but there is a similar inflammatory syndrome, which the CDC is actually calling MISA, so a multi-system inflammatory syndrome in adults, and it can have a similar presentation. I'm not as familiar with the way they present and kind of some of their more common symptoms, but it is something that the adult world is seeing as well. So what treatments are you able to do? What therapies? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and what you've learned over time about MISC. Yeah, so the treatment for MISC typically varies depending on the presentation and the manifestations of the patient. A lot of therapies are focused on respiratory support or cardiovascular support. Uh, There are a variety of treatments that are available, but unfortunately, like a lot of this, there's little data to suggest which one may be superior than the other one. Some of the therapies you may have heard of include antiviral therapies, immune-modulating therapies such as IVIG, steroids is a very commonly used one, specific interleukin inhibitors, and then convalescent plasma, which is also in the mainstream media. Now, this is where having a team of both rheumatologists and infectious disease doctors is crucial if you are going to be seeing a lot of these patients or caring for these patients because a lot of these require a lot of thought and, quite frankly, require a lot of people with different backgrounds and and understandings of how this virus is attacking the body and which one of these is probably going to be the most effective for a patient. So it's very crucial to make sure you have your key players and your key stakeholders that are following the literature, are keeping up with some of the data, and can help guide this because this right now is so much for one person or one even division to kind of tackle by themselves. Now comes the point when we get to talk about the clinic. So why did you start the MISC clinic? How did it come about? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so the clinic was started because of the recognition that there was going to be an increasing need for these patients requiring follow-up with specialists dedicated to keeping up with all the literature. We recognized really early on that this wasn't going anywhere, and we were starting to see more and more reports out of Europe and even off of the East Coast of these patients having this. And so although we hadn't had a huge spike of patients here in St. Louis, we kind of had a chance to start talking about things and getting things going. And we thought it would be very beneficial, like I mentioned, to have a core group of people set to see these patients, try to keep up with the literature instead of having everybody see one patient here and there and and not really keeping up with everything. And so after talking with a lot of different stakeholders from different divisions, it kind of came down to the medical home probably was best suited for cardiology because of some of the cardiac manifestations and some of the cardiac follow-up and rheumatology because those patients sometimes are on steroids or other medicines that require weaning and following. And before we wrap up, tell us about the specialists that are involved in the very multidisciplinary approach, what you'd like other physicians to know about multisystem inflammatory syndrome, and how physicians can refer to the MISC clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital. 
Sure. Like I said, this has been a, a collaboration, and I'm very proud of this collaboration within majority of the divisions here at Children's Hospital, and which include you know cardiology, rheumatology, infectious disease, even hematology and oncology because of some of the concerns with clotting, pharmacy, hospitalist medicine, emergency medicine, and, and critical care all have members or multiple members that have participated in developing, you know, guidelines or algorithms that are keeping up with the literature in their own kind of specific field of expertise. And we'll frequently come together and talk about updating the guidelines or algorithms. And so that has been just tremendous and really fun to be part of. So, you know, this is a clinic that we are doing weekly on Monday mornings. And if you have a patient I would say that you feel like would benefit from being seen in an MISC clinic or had MISC, we'd be more than happy to to get them in and, and be evaluated. I will say with the sheer number of patients, pediatric patients that are diagnosed with COVID-19, that frankly seems impossible for every single patient that has a diagnosis of COVID-19 that needs to see cardiology to be seen in the MISC clinic. So we're trying to save some of these spots for the very severe hospitalized patients. And so for that being said, all of the cardiologists in our division are seeing COVID-positive patients that either have lingering concerns from the pediatrician or maybe need some extra evaluation before being cleared to go back to sports. So they can be seen by anybody, but if there's availability and we will do our best, if you feel like you have a patient that would benefit from seeing us and we will do everything we can to make sure they get the right evaluation. At the same time, if the patient lives far away, you know, pick up the phone. I'm happy to chat and kind of talk about what we do in clinic and kind of the things we monitor for. And so that way we can maybe even manage, co-manage from afar. Thank you so much, Dr. Orr. Such an interesting thing that we're seeing with COVID-19. So many different aspects coming from all different directions. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us about the MISC clinic. To speak with a pediatric specialist or to refer your patient to the MISC clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital, please call the Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP or you can visit stlouischildrens.org. That concludes this episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast series from the Washington University Pediatric Specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole.